Obviously, when I was creating GPTs, I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm basically just creating a really good prompt for chat GPT. But with GPTs, you can actually use actions to call external APIs to integrate your services into your GPT, thus making it more unique. Yes. Yes. Likey, I'm a plus. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hold on real quick. I think we have a technical problem. She did. Let's get this thing rolling. Everybody, welcome back to the Big Cheese AI Podcast. I'm one of the world's top moderators, Andre Herricus, joined by Sean Heise, Jacob Wise, and Brandon Corbin. This is the Big Cheese AI Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and smash the subscribe button on YouTube. Today, we're getting into the cheese. So let's talk about the biggest news right now. Um, What's going on with this rabbit thing? Outcomes rabbit. Uh, rabbit, sorry, rabbit R1 is the name of it. And it's, it's about, I guess it's about the size of a post-it note, uh, maybe about a inch thick. And it's this red orange device that is specifically designed just for, uh, it's not a phone. It's, it's a new type of device that just basically gives you a large language model, uh, in, uh, in this thing. And it's got a camera on it. So it it does support a SIM card and it can, and it can connect to Wi-Fi. So it's not connected to your phone, but it can connect to the internet. It can do its thing. But it, what it really is, is it's, it's meant to be a, they, what do they call it, a large uh, action model, I, oh, yeah. I believe is what they're calling it. And it's, they've trained their own model to basically do specific tasks. So go buy me something on Amazon, right? Go buy me, uh, you know, go repeat my order of this. And they've trained their own model on being able to navigate Amazon, be able to click on different things and to be able to do it. So that's actually kind of cool, right? It's their own foundational model that can do these things. And you're going to be able to train it yourself. So you'll be able to point your rabbit at your screen and be like, and one of the things I saw is somebody did it with Diablo and it trained to be able to survive in the game Diablo just by watching the screen. Mm. And that's going to be coming out later. It's not, it's not available in the current model. Is there a world where it just, the evolution of this thing is it just starts to train on you? Oh, sure. It just watches you right. and does you. But well, what's the time for you to go brush your teeth, right? Because traditionally you do it. Apple's already doing that. Every Thursday at about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, I get into my car to drive here, right? My phone, my, my watch tells me how long it's going to take me to get here, and I don't have it set up as a calendar event, right? So yeah. it's kind of already doing it, and that's where I kind of run into a problem. Uh, a, a, that, yeah. that hypothetically Apple could just release – their own thing that does a lot of the same functionality. That again, it's only 199 bucks, and it it, uh, it it doesn't seem like there's any subscription model. It's a one-time purchase, so that's the only thing that kind of caught me. I'm like, eh, you know, for 199 bucks, if I could have that thing just sitting on my desk yeah. doing you know a couple things here and there then maybe it does become something that's interesting that I don't need to worry about breaking out my phone. I don't need to worry about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a definitely an interesting thing. There's a lot of com- uh, comparisons to it in the humane, uh, the humane pin, yeah, which yeah. is that one that you're going to, like, pin to your chest and then use your hand and it, like, laser, you know, shows some shit on your hand. Which I thought was super cool when it came out. But right. the more I thought about it, I was like, and I know, because I'm, like, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, well, that looks a lot better than a green laser, you know, war games looking thing on my hand. Yeah, this one reminds me, uh, you've seen the movie Her, right? Oh, yeah. This is yeah. giving me, and yeah. I wonder if Scarlett Johansson is going to do 
do the voiceover for oh, this. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be very yeah, cool. Yeah. So, no. so here's my take on the rabbit thing. So you watch the keynote and you go, okay, this makes sense. There's a couple things that I think that really make a lot of sense. First of all, the one thing that they go through is the first step when you're really onboarding yourself to this platform or this device is you go through and add all of your services. So you go through and add your Spotify, you go add your Instacart, well, you're you go, their web. You're, and you're going, I know. So, so there's a setup, which is fine. So let's just get, get, you can get past, I can get past that, but you're going through and you're setting up, here's my life and here are the cert and you're seeing these massive, you know, these massive apps that all use OAuth that all authenticate through your, these, these, these apps that are obviously apt to do that stuff. And then you're saying, this is the stuff that I do. And so now when I talk to you, Miss, Mr. Rabbit or, or Mrs. Rabbit, um, you're going to know what I do and you're going to know that it's me. And when you talk to these services, they're going to be able to do it on my behalf. So when I tell it to play a song, you know, on my playlist, it's going to know me because I'm already logged into Spotify. When I order some bananas and some milk and tell them to deliver it in two hours, it's going to know me. It's going to know how to charge my card. So all of these things are going to be able to function. And that that <clears throat> obviously I don't think I even I don't know if that's been done anywhere besides the really I guess the browser or your phone via different apps, but no one's really built an app that unifies all those experiences. I know that in China you have these super apps, WeChat, things like that, right? Where you're, where you're having one experience and you're accomplishing all these different tasks. I think that is interesting and go ahead, Jacob. Yeah. I was just going to say you, you reminded me of, um, uh, so the demo was, was, Oh, I'm going to plan this trip to London or something. And, and it was like finding flights and, and itinerary and this, and I just printed out a, a itinerary with flights. I'm like, that is not how anyone has ever shopped for a trip. I would go, and I want to know. I have a lot of things. I'm costs. I'm weighing. Like, I might want to wake up early, but I might not. If the mm -hmm. ticket's not that much more expensive, I need to make that decision. That I think is probably not ready yet. But add something to my calendar, and it knowing, having context of like, hey, dude, do you actually have something at one? Do you, are you sure you want to add something at 12:30? That might conflict with that. That adds a ton of value, and Google can't do that yet, but they probably will soon. Um, but authenticating to those types of applications and having context around all of your data, that's cool. Eliminating, so, so the premise of what he was talking about is he, he, got, he, got, he introduces the product, and then he goes to this slide where there's a million iPhones with all these different apps right behind him, and, he's, and he basically makes this premise that says, these, this t these technologies that exist today aren't saving people time. They're using it to kill time because he talks about how most time spent in apps is with the entertainment. Well, you know, that's an arguable thing because obviously, you know, when you're playing a video game, you, you take 20 minutes. When you go check a Slack message, you spend three seconds, whatever. But but he's sitting there and he's talking about, you know, how we have app overload. Right. And he's fundamentally making a hypothesis that says user interfaces are going to die. That's what they're really doing here. And I don't think that this product is going to succeed at all. I think it's just going to be a new, it's just going to be, um, it's, it's going to be a, you know, a, uh, a drop in the hat at CS. CS is one of those things where you, they sell out and then a bunch of people churn, but the, the implication of the concept that they're going after is real. And I think I, I see it all the time. Like, and it's, 
it's it's already happening, but it's it's an evolution of the user interface. Like when I pull up my my start my like you said, when you start driving here, it tells you that where you're going. When I wake up in the morning, I have the quick order button on my start on Starbucks that all with one tap. I don't know. I mean, even though it's it's really easy to order on Starbucks. <laughs> really easy. It knows where you order it from. It knows what you order, and you have to do it a couple clicks. Now, with the with the quick actions on iOS, you literally just click one button, right? And it's using a third party payment service to do that with PayPal. I mean, those technologies are already baked into those operating systems at a basic level. And I think what I think what Apple is missing out on is actually first party integrating these third party platforms. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, like, why wouldn't they have done that a long time ago? They, they do that with their apps. But if you're, if you're thinking about, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it so people can do things very efficiently and effectively. The iPhone's the, the, the device. I don't need, I honestly, I was offended by the, uh, by the user interface thing with rabbit, right? Because if we know as a family from a web developer coming from, um, someone who understands design systems and standards, like the iPhone is an amazing way to experience computing. The web is an amazing way to experience computing. And to say that you're going to, just because you can input your voice and it's really fast, that you're going to just be able to put some dog shit user interface out there and that that's going to be okay with people. Like Jacob said, like he's going to want to look at those flights. He's going to want to be able to interact with that, swipe away, do all these actions that have taken years and years and years to, to perfect. And so I think the concept is really interesting and great. I think that absolutely this large action model, which basically creates these agents, and that's the question I have for you. I think that there's, there's, there's. I think that's they're onto something huge. But here's the question I had: These agents, what the hell are these agents? Are they literally? He calls them rabbits. Okay, so so you go and you say, I, I want to book a flight, and he's like, We got these rabbits. And uh, okay, the the rabbits are agents, and the way I'm old school, so I'm thinking that they got like. One million puppeteer instances running Chrome headless, typing on a comp, but they're doing vision. Or Jacob mentioned they might be like, what is it doing? You know, I have no idea. I'm no idea what how, how they're actually executing on it. But what seems to be there's a conflict though, and you you identified it that they want to get rid of the UI, right? right. But their entire model is based on Using a UI. use fucking UI, and if you don't have a UI, then you don't have anything to train it on. And so uh, it, it is. It's a. It's a very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, of of. Uh, extreme opinions on this device. I think the hardware looks awesome. Yeah. Right. Like, so this is coming from Teenage Engineering is the is the design firm that did the work. It it brings in some stuff where they've got like a real. It's a push to talk. So it's like a walkie-talkie. It's not always listening, and it looks like it's very tactile. Like, you like you can just feel it, right? And then they've got this nice little scroll thing going on where it's like the real 3D. And and the more I saw it, I'm kind of like ah. It feels very much like toys that we grew up with as kids, right? But it, I almost feel, and then I look at my phone, and I'm like, there's no real buttons on my phone anymore. It's all just like this well, fake bullshit with the haptic feedback you, and all that. You know, Honda, um, I'm a big Honda fanboy, but uh, they switched their volume to a digital volume. Oh. And uh, um, that was like two or two mm -hmm. years ago. And they switched back to an actual button because of that exact exactly. point, where it's like people like... Yeah. physical right. buttons and knobs. Again, and Apple does, Apple, out of everybody, Apple, I think, does one of the best jobs of making a fake button feel like a real button, mm, right? Yeah. I actually had one of my phone, uh, b back when we used to have the home button, right, where you'd have that little haptic feedback and pressing it. I had a, something went wrong with my phone, and that thing all of a sudden amped up about 10, 
ten times. And it went boop, boop. Every time you hit my home button, the vibrate was like so loud everybody could hear it. And it was just like, oh my God, it just really shows you that. Yeah, there's something about the real button nature. So, yeah, so, go, so, so go, go to um, Google CES iPhone keyboard, uh, 2024, and then uh, scene switch over to um, uh, over to it. And um, well, give me one. I want to yeah. I want to comment on this a little bit. Yeah, sure. Because yeah, sure. I think it's one thing to say like user interfaces from a phone's perspective, like. You started off with a computer. When you had a computer, you could use all 10 fingers to input information and get stuff back out. Then we moved to the phone. So you're just using your thumbs to get information in and get information out. And that's limiting to an extent, which then that's why we made incredible user interfaces for the mobile apps and you know buttons that can do multiple different things because you're only using two fingers. And I do think that there is something really fascinating about this Rabbit product where you're not using any fingers. You're not using two fingers or or ten. You're just using your voice and the speed at which you can articulate and get a thought through through your voice, as if it's a walkie-talkie, to get an answer back is so much faster and easier than if you were actually using a user interface. Well, so it, I, I can seriously see people many adopting years, this. It's not that many years until most computing, especially casual computing and getting things done and inter interacting with services like put this on, order this, do that. That there's there will be the input the user input will be, you know something that doesn't involve it's a voice you know it's an action it's it's something. I mean, what's like the number one thing in in, in homes in America right now? And it's been that way for years now. It's been growing like crazy. Echoes, Amazon Voices. I mean, those things make your life convenient. Whenever someone drops off something at my grandparents' place, who are like sixty-five and seventy, by the way, it ding. Amazon, what 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 happened? Oh, your package has been delivered. They could have realized that by opening the door, but it's just easier to talk to. I feel like speaking is such a powerful medium for productivity. We just have never been able to really be productive outside of the spoken word via podcasting, via talking to each other. But from a web perspective, speaking has never been able to be leveraged for productivity. And in my opinion, communication, the verbal word, is the most productive way to get things done. You hear a lot, and we had, you had a post the other day that, that kind of touched on this as well, which is like um, uh, service uh, overload or, or mm -hmm. you know, we just have too many things going on, right? Like we have too many apps. We have too many things that do the, the, the tasks in our lives. Um, and the problem is we don't have a universal language. So I have to remember, okay, I downloaded this one app that did this one thing that was useful, but I kind of forget because it's been two months since I used right. it. And I do think Rabbit and these types of companies are onto something. We have an absolute overload of information, and we need to find a more natural way to consume it. Now, do I think that I'm ever going to get on my phone and say order some very specific thing? And like, unless it's something I order every month, that's right. the exact same. I still price it check scared, that stuff. It scares the hell out of me. Yeah, like, yeah. like all of a sudden, I'm going to get an Amazon bill for five thousand dollars because it ordered whatever. I'll get. I have a cat. I get litter every month. I don't just blindly reorder it right. unless it's through Chewy and there's a, a guaranteed price or something. Right. But it's like I'm still checking that thing because yeah. my, you know. That's just how it is, you know. So, do I think it's it's the good idea, but maybe the wrong, you know, point in the wrong direction right now? Yeah, I think that's that's probably where it's. I'm at. buying one. I'm definitely. Yeah, do it, one. man. Let's yeah, play with it. Yeah. Well, hey, let's check it out. Let's. So everybody at the Big Cheese Pie, we have an upgrade. I'm going to show you right now. 
Look at that. <laughs> Can we roast them right away? Because yeah. they're, they're, yeah. so they're seeing what the hell moment, is going on. At this moment, uh, the rabbit website is uh, has its hero image is completely broken, and Jacob has a technical diagnosis he'd like to share with, with the world. Yeah, they have a custom CDN that's that's not working right now. It's a cute name, too. It's like lotsofcarrots.com. Pretty, but pretty the, the only other note, news and noteworthy thing coming out of CES was this uh, – so for, for those of you that grew up in the BlackBerry generation, there is now a device that you can buy, what is it, for $149. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and it will provide you with a keyboard for your iPhone. So I kind of wish like they would have spent a little bit more time to make it. So even if it was just a little bit fatter, that the keyboard could slide down mm. optionally. Because, like, now all of a sudden, that's like a nine-and-a-half-inch <laughs> oh, banana. Oh, it up? No, it's just always, you've always got this, like, nine-inch sausage in your pocket. <laughs> well, you, you go, our Blackberry, <laughs> <laughs> Blackberry You fans. mean not everybody's like that? <laughs> um, but so, so that's my only problem with it. But conceptually, I think it's, it, it is blowing up. A lot of people are excited about it. I don't I, – it's just these phones are already big enough that, man, that just makes it look obnoxious. I mean, again, a, that kind of goes back to my original argument on how, like, you, the people want more right. ability to get things done faster and just your fingers is limiting. Right? Well, there's been – just like we talked about last podcast with the skeuomorphic stuff, there's a resurgence in the in the taptic mm-hmm. and the old-school mm-hmm. devices. And, and so for Rabbit, you get a lot of points for being forward-thinking. Um, can we do building, a, can we bring up sorry can we bring up a rabbit like that actually shows us what it looks oh, like? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because, website, because there doesn't again, seem to be a picture of they're, it here. They're, yeah, they're, the, the whole CDN thing? is not working. No, for they're, they're with what's like, it called R one? Yeah, the R one. Um, okay, let's pull up. Uh, just get images. Yeah. So let's do this. So from oh, a design standpoint, there it is. There it is. That's gonna be that's pretty sexy. So so up on top there. Um, next to the screen is your camera. This camera is 360 degrees, so it can go forward, what it can that, go What backwards. does that do for you? I, I don't get it. Well, what's nice about it is that by default, it's either pointing down or up, so it's always private. Right, so that's another thing that they're kind of leaning on here is the privacy nature of it. So this way, it can either be taking a selfie or it could be filming your monitor while you're doing something. And then the thing below it is your actual like thumb wheel, like is the scrolling, you know, mm. is your scroll. Okay, what is it? What do you mean? It's pointing at your computer and learning something. Yeah. So right now, the top is like if that was on our desk, that camera would be pointing to us. Right. Right. But you if it's it? pointing at your computer, it can learn stuff. Yes. And that's that's the piece that makes it very interesting. Right. And that was the thing I was talking about. But with Diablo. So you can point it to your computer and you can be like, all right. So this is now I'm going to go now. Na- I'm going to go send some spam to Crafted. And I go to Crafted.up. I fill up or Crafted.up or CraftedUp.com. <laughs> and then I'm going to fill out the form and I'm going to, you know, send some obscene thing to, to Jacob. And it can re- remember that and then it can replay it is basically what their training model Ooh. is. And so this train, which is going to be coming down that's later on down the path, the that's that's where it gets interesting. And so then you could see hypothetically that they would then allow those trainings to be maybe shared across the community. Well, that, that changes it a little bit because you're looking at something where you can crowdsource the, the agents, right. you know, and that, that changes things because um, – I was looking at it from the keynote, and I'm like, okay, so 10 really good apps like Spotify and Instacart are going to do great with this, but everybody else is like, what's the point? You know, they changed their UI, 
And yeah, someone's been trained on the there. buttons over here. Yeah. And if that's how it works, that's I don't know. That's what I'm kind of curious about with their model is, because again, with large language models, you don't have to be exact. Yeah. Right? You can be a little fluffy. You know, they, things can shift. So if all of a sudden we have this big orange buy now button that becomes a purple, you know, pay now, does it does it work? I'm also very curious how they're going to do this for a fixed cost. Yeah, the 199 seems like it, it, it doesn't scale. If you do not think there's a subscription coming yeah. with this yeah. thing, yeah. there's got to be. There's got to be. Of course. That was the is. first question on the um, Reddit this yeah. morning, by the way. Right. Reddit, dude. Well, so Jacob is this big Reddit guy, and I'm like not. But like... You, if you want to get, just get your ass kicked, yes. head on over to Reddit. Honest yeah. feedback. It is. It's or the most brutal, <laughs> honest feedback. We were just talking about it, and I've I've been there. And and my one of my apps that I released for I, Android, I go to the Android subreddit, and I'm like, hey, look at my app. And okay. then a hundred replies that I'm the biggest schlub in the world because I didn't make it material design, right? And I was just, I mean, just brutal, savage. But at the same time, we were talking about it, it, it forced me to go and delve into material design spec, really understand it, really learn it. I went and I was like, all right, I'll be back in a couple months. And I went and I redesigned the whole damn thing to be absolutely material. Uh, and, and I came back, I'm like, all right. And they're like, all right, you're better. <laughs> so so what, what, are, what are our thoughts on this Rabbit R1? Good cheese, bad cheese. It's, what do we think? It's good. I think it's good. Um, I'll be curious to see how it actually pans out it's good but don't act like you're gonna like replace the user interface yeah, yeah it's right. good cheese but it does give me kickstarter vibes where 100%. like it's probably going to be a catalyst for a bunch of really great ideas yeah is this gonna be it eh, prob probably not great yeah, i'll say it's good cheese i i think it would be cool i like that that click yep. walkie talkie with yep. my life oh my gosh well, if you can though, if you can back. implement any product that actually works when you press the button and ask it to talk because siri you go hey siri Oh, wait, I, I was, oh, I was talking already three seconds ago. You missed that one, honey. All right, so aside from Shit. Rabbit R1, we also have a big update from, from uh, OpenAI. We have the GPT store. Any news on that? What's going on with that? Well, the, 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 they had announced in their blog yesterday that the uh, GPT store mm. was open. Guess what? It's not a store <laughs> at all. Yeah. So, um... The, and these have been around. So essentially what happened was when we've covered in a previous podcast, if you haven't seen it, GPTs killed our startup, that whole conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can basically go to OpenAI and build GPTs. And it's essentially you're going to give it a bunch of prompts and you're going to create this really specialized GPT. It might do nothing. It might do something. It might do something really specific. It mostly does it, nothing it, in it, my experience. Um, <laughs> the, the GPTs? It mostly does almost something but nothing. Well, I've had, I've, I mean, I've had, good, I've had good experience so far. But but the the basically what they did is they just created a page in the app where you can actually search them yeah. and find them yeah. and start using them. That, that was kind of my disappointment where I'm like, oh, hey, they launched it. And I'm like, oh, I'll go share it to LinkedIn. Then I actually go through it. I'm like, well, what the fuck? The, the, the one <laughs> thing, and go, go, back to the, go back to the site. The one thing that is interesting here is um, they, in their blog post, that they said that they're introducing monetization in Q1. And so what that means, and it makes no sense to me yet, is that if you go and build a GPT and people use it, they're going to share some revenue with you. Right. Is that I think that they're going more towards the YouTube 
Instagram oh, style Twitter. or Twitter, you know, so where I, I won't charge for my GPT, but the adoption of the GPT would hypothetically give me a revenue share. Yes, creative that's, right. Uh, that's I, right. I, I, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and I think that's the best business model of all time, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, cause you can't switch it. That's the one thing that's nice is it's not guaranteed income. When I go and I put an app up on the app store for three ninety nine, and somebody buys it, I'm going to get my three ninety nine minus my thirty percent, and that's going to go to me no matter what. Yes. Yeah, these creator funds and these other ones, they're variable. They can be like, oh, hey, we're making money. They're not and all of a sudden. You're, you don't have a guaranteed. Well, income. well, well. OpenAI crossed one point two billion, one one billion dollars of annualized revenue. Jesus. So, but we know that their costs are high. Yeah. So from a revenue sharing perspective, you know, they don't have advertisers. You know, they're, they're this model, that model, it, the model is going to be interesting. So while they put out a GPT store, it is not a store. It is a indexed categorized search service to discover GPTs because the only way you could get on a GPT is if you had the link and somebody shared it. And so people started creating websites and all these different things to just do what this just did. Um, but I did, I, I, I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's, I think that we're just sitting here waiting for the real thing to happen and it could be, it could be the next fart app opportunity. Can, can these be, can you use these, uh, GPTs if you don't have a, if you're not a plus member? Good question. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, well, I did I, notice I that they just so. added teams now. So for $25 a month. I can now have a Teams account, so which gets me guaranteed that it doesn't train on my data. Was it? some other bullshit. But uh, real quick, that consensus, by the way, consensus, and, and con they've just rebranded. They were like, I don't know, study GPT or something like that. But that consensus is actually a really cool platform uh, if you want to go do any kind of uh, studies on scientific papers. They have 200 wow. million papers so, that so they've processed. I think it's really cool. Yeah. So it, I do not understand that. So... Um, that's my biggest question with GPTs. So if I go create a GPT, okay, so go back to consensus. You go to consensus and you go, okay, J consensus is your AI research assistant. And it's got 200 million to 200 million academic papers. Right. So when you, when they created this GPT, did they tell OpenAI to go train itself on their data? No. So, so they, so they, I think in their case, they actually had their own data source. They, I used to, uh, Emily came down, she's my wife, she's like, you should totally do a demo on consensus because she uses it all the time. Really? And so I went and checked it out just on the website. This was before the GPT. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is one of the most used GPTs out there today. Yeah. And so you can just go to consensus, I think it's .ai or think something like that. students probably. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you just type in your thing, it goes, finds the papers, and then it gives you a breakdown of it. So I think what they did then is they just did the integration with ChatGPT to make that actually happen. But it's still going to their data source with all this. So all uh, of those 200 million papers, I don't think are part of so, so ChatGPT's corpus. You can actually, um, you can have it call APIs. Yeah, well, th that was the cool thing that Brandon mentioned a few episodes ago where that sticker company, you created GPT that leverages something on your side of the company. So it was like, oh, I can create using Dolly these images of stickers. Now I want to buy 10 of those stickers. And that will send the business directly to that company. I'm still so, so, that's a so really intrigued, to though, because when I created GPTs, there was no, like, prompt. It's, it's their actions. And it's, like, it's very subtle. At Is the bottom, it? there's, like, this this actions uh, a thing that you can click. Really? And then you can go and put in additional, like, 
endpoints and things like that to configure okay. it. So, so when I previously when I was creating GPTs, I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm basically just creating a really good prompt for chat GPT. But with GPTs, you can actually use actions to call external APIs to integrate your services into your GPT, thus making it more unique. Yes. Yes. Likey, I'm a plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about this. Like, think about, like, example for Crafted. Um, how, to, how to choose a good development partner, GPT. Yeah. Right? And then it gives you a suggestion, and then it sends you to Crafted. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a little example. Well, well, that's the only answer. <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a risk question with, with GPTs. Are we creating a situation where people are going to chat GPT, which they think summarizes all relevant human knowledge, and they start getting results that are just salesy or, or contrived or, or narrow because they're actually calling third-party data services that are not part of the, the model. Well, I think that that's, that's, guess, you know that's I mean? that separation of the, calling it a GPT. You can be like, well, that's a GPT. That's not chat GPT because we wouldn't answer it that way. That's a good point. Google's at least held accountable in the sense that it's, it's you know, the most linked or they have right. they have metrics or, or, or reasons, cues why that is the first article. Right. may not always be right, but at least it's, you know, there's that. Yeah. So my, my, my advice to people using GPTs would be to be understand where their data is coming from because it doesn't necessarily come from open AI. We got some New York Times drama, gents. What's yeah, it's a little, little old news, but uh, New York Times sued open AI. And, um, Why did they sue them? Because uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, and I've been saying this about Twitter for 10 15 years. I mean, how many journalists go tweet all their news on Twitter for free and then link back, you know, oh, here's a link to my article. Here's, just literally wrote the article on Twitter and live, live streamed the game too with all your comments, right? But the same thing with New York Times, right? They, OpenAI uses their content to train their models. And so, I mean, OpenAI didn't learn all this stuff from thin air. And so you have all this this content that's owned. I mean, these these are journalistic properties right and so open ai is um using their using the internet to train their models and then you know new york times those are smart people you know they, they've been in this game a long time they've survived um don't subscribe for the 250 dollars a year wait for the special get it for 69.99 and cancel the next year get the special again um <laughs> um but seriously the they have a legitimate case against OpenAI, in my opinion, in terms of they are not being compensated whatsoever for the for the content that, that is being used to train their models. Thoughts? So the 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 most damning evidence there is, and again, I'm not sure exactly what prompt that the the lawyers of OpenAI or of uh, the New York Times used, but they were able to output one of their articles, like 90% of it, and they did a side-by-side. -side. They're like, here's our article, and here's what ChatGPT output, and all of the things in red are uh, are the same. And it was literally 95% of the article was just output word for word. That's very damaging. I mean, that's that's not good. Now, again, what you were saying is that ChatGPT is saying, well, you broke the terms of service <laughs> to execute and to pull that off, so it's not valid. Yeah, I think I think they might be screwed here, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a problem because the moment if if they do win, every other party's coming for their lunch. Yeah. every single person's coming for their lunch that that data was trained so on. So here's where this goes, which is. 
Well, I guess I guess I'll ask this question. How does Google get away with what they've done with indexing and crawling websites? Because they don't output the results. Yeah, they're starting Kinda. to. Kind of. That's what I was they talking about. Link to your site. So their 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 carrot is Jacob. That yeah, I mean, at the at the very least, Google's always been able to say like, oh no, we're actually doing a service for you. We're promoting you. As long as you do good content, we'll put you at the top of the list and right. we'll give an an opportunity. But I've been saying this for years, like the cards and the uh, frequently asked or the um, Google questions and and all the things that they're showing directly on Google now. Well. I don't have to click on your site anymore. That's not yeah. taking them to the site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like there's advantages to that. Like if you're selling products, you can have your product one click buy on Google now, um, which is great. But if you don't have a product and your your product is content, um, if you have that publicly available, Google's already doing that, and now OpenAI is taking it a step further. Yeah. And there, what is incentive is there? Well, that model is is broken. Then why would you ever uh, uh, promote or or actually publish um, valuable content for free anymore? Right. 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 Um, so that's the question here that this will answer is. So 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 OpenAI is only doing a billion dollars a year, right? There's and they're training their model on the internet. So is this a is this an outcome where it's the internet? I mean, is the Supreme Court ever ruled? I mean, at the end of the day, it's the internet. You're putting your stuff out there. Scrape LinkedIn as long as it's in the public internet, and you can do things with that data. That has been that has been voted on and and has been approved, so you can do it. Um, I guess the question is going to come down to specifically with these large language models, maybe not as much as Google because they're kind of taking your information, reformatting it, you know, and like putting it into a card so they don't actually have to click on your website now. But with OpenAI, it's literally just like. The same exact copy, and copyright is very specific to the copy, right? And so that's the one that's that's the one difference here, where they might just have to say that we can never like make our model so it never outputs the same sequential guarantee of terms, and it always has to be shooken up or something like that. No matter what, it's going to force these large language models to kind of rethink their positioning on how they allow the same content to be output. That I could see him go, okay, we're just going to go spend all the time on making sure he just can't output the same exact stuff and instead just rewrite it to be so it's not like a pure 95% copy of the content. Yeah, like, that reminds me back whenever I was in college and you just put it in the paraphrase bot and the paraphrase bot <laughs> gave you a little bit something different than it was originally put into it. That's basically what they're going to do exactly. at a billion dollar level. Well, <laughs> so I think to summarize it, uh, the internet used to exist, links would be promoted, and then Google came around and they indexed all your stuff and then, but they linked to your your articles. Now, ChatGPT, OpenAI, just took all that content and created a model and are serving it up in a chat and saying, "Look what we did, Mom!" And that's just not going to work. They're going to have to pay up. Yeah, I, I think that they might have to happen, but I just, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's like Google. The whole sphere is shaken up. Yeah. No one really knows what to think. Like Th this is going to the Supreme Court. No. One hundred percent. It's going to the Supreme Court. They're going to have to figure it out because AI is so important, and they and they want the business to. I mean, we, you saw with the executive order. Part of the executive order was, oh my God, people are going to lose their jobs. But they were also like, hey, let's use this. You know, we should we should we should institute a commission that's looking into implementing this in all departments, safely, privately. You know, uh, for the benefit of Americans and and you know the markets. 
The markets, but the one thing that the markets will always do in this country, in the United States of America, is they don't like it when people steal stuff. They don't. If, if there's a class action law, I mean, that the the law is the law, and these judges don't change the rules. Like, and let, and, and you know, it's been chest tested in the last few years. But I mean, they will they will look at it to the letter of the law. And and one of those judges, if it goes all the way to Supreme Court, they'll get smart on this, and they they will figure out. If someone is 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 taking advantage, on, uh, you know, um, uh, of someone else and, and and essentially, you know, breaking laws. Everybody, we are Big Cheese AI, and we help companies launch and market AI products. If you guys have not checked out BigCheese.ai, you'll get a, f- a full overview on what exactly that looks like. We have brand new product drops and news updates dropping on the site daily. Brandon Corbin is the Big Cheese made this website. It looks absolutely phenomenal. We've got all um, our podcast episodes. We've got latest news, and that, and we've got all the latest AI products. Everybody, this is the Big Cheese AI Podcast. I'm Andre Herakis, joined by Sean Heis, Jacob Wise, and Brandon Corbin. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week about the biggest news in AI. Thanks. Ooh.